Hey, I'm excited. Hey, I, I'm so excited. I, we, I get to start a series today. It's not just a series. It's a series of series. Like, I'm going to be talking about this for, like, years. I mean, so buckle up. We're going to be here a while. And, and I, I'm starting a series today on, based on one, a talk that Jesus gave about 2,000 years ago in Israel on the side of a hill. He'd been, he'd been walking around. Uh, he'd been collecting some disciples. Uh, he, would, he would announce that uh, times are changing. Things are different. New things are possible. He was healing some people. Uh, he was doing amazing things. And big crowds started following him. And so one day, he actually sits everybody down on a hill, kind of like, you know, wherever you're sitting listening to my voice right now. And he says, I, I'd like to tell you something. And I'm excited about this. Can you tell? I'm very excited about it. I, I, I hinted at it last week that, that you should rearrange your Labor Day weekend in order to be here or listen to this. And you did. So Jesus loves you. You're in. You're good. All right. And uh, you're his favorite people. And, uh, and I, I, so I mentioned it so many times last week that my friend Aaron, he texted me yesterday and goes, I, I didn't go last week to church, but I watched online. And, and so you, every time you said Sermon on the Mount, I made a drinking game out of it. And... And I didn't sober up till Tuesday, so, uh, so pray for Aaron. Uh, he's, uh, he's here somewhere, probably laying down uh, in, in the room. But uh, hey, look, I am. I'm so excited about it. I've been waiting for years for this. I mean, par parts of this talk that I'm going to give uh, today and, and for the next several weeks, they have been written in my head or in my heart and parts of it on my computer uh, for, for months now, just waiting for this to go. Come on, Labor Day, let's get here. Uh, but this past week, I'll be honest with you, I, I sat down in my office with my laptop and I, and I just locked up. They're like, uh, how do you start? How, how do you launch? Or what can I say? Or what can I do to set the stage for what I, I think are the three best chapters in the Bible? But not just me. Like authorities for the last 2,000 years say that the, this talk that Jesus gives is the most influential talk on Western civilization ever given. I mean, it's a big deal. He talks about our life with God, our life and how we see ourselves, and our life with everybody around us. So, so that's some pressure. How do you start how do you launch a, you know, a series of that, like that? And so here's what I want to do today. I, I just want to kind of paint a picture of what was going on uh, that day when Jesus says, everybody just sit down on the hill. I, I want to say something. And, and literally with the opening line, he announces that times uh, from this point on, line in the sand, from now on, things are different. They will never, ever be the, the same. A new day has come. And with the very first sentence out of his mouth... All right? He blows up the status quo. He turns religious, religion upside down. He knocks religion on its butt, and it never recovers. Thank God. All right? That's the world. And, and the world that Jesus lived in, it's, it's not that much different than the world we live in. We kind of make it different. Here, here's what we try to do around Flatters anyway is do not let these people become Bible people. They're not Bible people. They're just people. Ordinary people got out of bed, like all of us got out of bed, had, you know, stuff going through their mind from yesterday, tried to go to work, tried to, you know, work out a relationship, tried to find enough money to make ends meet, got to feed the kids, I got to get them on, you know, the bus or whatever, their version, whatever, go with it, you know, they're just trying to hold life, life together. And the, the, the world that, that Jesus and the people that he was talking to, they're just like us. Like, I'll give you an example, and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, like the world that Jesus lived in and was teaching in, it was divided into like two categories. See if you can finish this one. It was divided between the haves and the have-nots. You've been there. Okay, you live in, this, in the same world. And let me explain what I'm talking about. The ha let me just say this. I feel like I'm on a game show. <laughs> I'd like to buy a vowel, Alex. Uh, um, you know what I'm talking about. The, the haves, that's funny. The haves, 
were those who were experiencing good things. You know what I'm talking about. Like, like look, oh, they have everything. They have, a, they have good health. They have a good income. They have good reputations. They have a good job. They have a good wife. They have a good husband. They have good, beautiful kids, blah, 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 blah. They have a, they have a good life, all right? And, and in Jesus' day, and then some of us still believe this today, they were actually told by like, like, like religious authorities that the reason their lives were good and the external trappings of their life, why their income kept getting gooder and their house got better and their, their health was just always right is, is because it was directly tied. It was proof that they were good with, with God. You would actually look at people like that and go, look at their life. They are so, ready, blessed. They're so, we say that all the time. Oh, you're so blessed. God has really blessed my business. God has really blessed my marriage, blah, 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 all that kind of, all right? So, so and the reason my life is good is God likes me, likes me. I must be doing something right. I'm blessed. So those are the haves. Um, the have-nots were the rest of us. It was everybody else. I mean, what do you mean? Like if you were poor, if you got sick, if you were hurting, if you had certain kinds of problems, if, if you were an outsider, if you didn't get picked, if you were ex- ex- excluded, if you made certain mistakes or certain sins, not all of them, just the ones on our list. If, you, if certain things happened to you, whether it was your fault or somebody else's fault, if, if you were always overlooked or unimportant, and if, if, if people told you you had nothing to contribute and not worth considering, you, you were told and you believed there must be something wrong with me. Right? And the mess of my life, the lack of goodness in my life, is in direct connection to and, God, and, and, and direct correlation with God's opinion of me. He must hate me. Right? God, God must look at me and go, there's more important people than you. You don't matter. What you did, you're disqualified. God has no use for, for, for throwaway people like you. There's a lot of us, same world, Right? And the lens that, at least back in Jesus' day, the, the lens that people saw God and saw themselves through, it, it didn't come out of nowhere. Right, let, me give you a, let me give you a little bit of history lesson, all right? Um, several hundred years before Jesus taught this, this talk on the side of a hill, and this is history, whether you believe in God or the Bible or not, it's in, it's in the history books, all right? There was a big empire called the Assyrian Empire, and it actually uh, took over the entire Middle East including Israel. And so the Assyrians come in and they wipe out everything. And then they take the, the Jewish people, like da- Daniel, remember that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are all guys, right? They take all of them captive and they take them back to Assyria to be slaves. Well, they didn't, wait, they didn't take everybody captive. They just, um, they just took into captivity the men and women that they just des- decided, well, they're useful. Right? I don't know how it worked. Maybe they lined it up like that horrible PE class. Remember that? And we picked up teams. We'll take you, and we'll take you, and we'll take you, and we'll take you. Right? So, so they only took into, in, into captivity those that had something to offer. Oh, you're strong. You're skilled. You're educated. You're beautiful. You know, I can use you, so, so I'm, I'm going to take you home, home with me. They, they took all the people that we would look at and go, well, they're blessed. They're blessed. And those who didn't get picked, they just left them back there in Israel. We don't want you, right? We're going to haul off everybody that we think is useful, but we're not going to take you with us. Well, why not? Because you're worthless. You're, you're useless. Now, I don't know how thick your skin is or how your self-esteem works, something like that, but it's got a sting to not even get picked for the slave team. <laughs> I didn't get picked for kickball, but I made the slave team. No, I mean, right, right? I mean, how bad do you have to be to go, I don't even want you as a slave. I'd rather you just 
forget about you. And, then, and there's actually a Hebrew word to describe this whole class of people, useless people that got left behind. And the, and the Hebrew word is anawim, anawim. Everybody say that, one, two, three. Anawim. You learned Hebrew today. Praise the Lord. All right, so, all right, so. And that, that can actually be translated, all right, as, as the throwaway people. And that's sad. There's a whole class of people called the Anawim who were the throwaway people. That's what it meant back there when the Assyrians came in. Um, by the time that Jesus showed up several hundred years later, the word Anawim had actually become almost like a, a curse word. And, and, and it, literally, it literally translated in Jesus' day when someone said Anawim as the Shinola of, of, of the earth. Now, let me time out. Take a breath. Um, so yesterday, I had the real word up there. The poop word. All right, and then it's not there for two reasons. One is um, my wife made me take it down. I'm transparent. She did. She said, you're not saying that, Jim. All right, okay. And the second thing is it would hijack this talk. I would get overwhelmed with, I cannot believe you said poop in church. It's just so inappropriate that you put poop in church. And I, just, I didn't listen to anything else you said. I want you to hold on to that thought in your head. Because whenever an Anawim would walk into your town or into your synagogue or into your religious organization or into your place of business like that, that's what you thought of them. You can't say that here. You can't be here. Well, why not? Because you're something I would wipe off my shoe. You're Anawim. So let that sink in. Because the world's no different, is it? There's a whole class of people going, Psh. right? Later, a guy named Paul, who writes a big chunk of the Bible, he says this, he says, and if you read this later, he says, um, when, you know, there was a time in my life when I was, had a great reputation, and then, then I ruined it all. I started following Jesus. And now, you know what my reputation is? I am, um, I'm the scum of the earth and the garbage of society. That's how people look at me. And he just cleaned up the word. It's the same word, though. Now, here's a, as I was studying this over the, over the last couple of weeks, um, different faith systems Protestant, Catholic, whatever, they, they try to take that Anawim word and, and clean it up a little bit, sanitize it, right? Like I was on some, some Catholic websites, and, um, and they've taken that, that ancient, really bad word, and they've actually turned it into something good. Which I, we, we can do that, right? But when they say Anawim today, they're referring to the, like the, the poorest of the poor, the lowest of the low, who have never let go of God, right? like Mother Teresa, Right? Or, or, or the, the, the people that are oppressed out there in the world, but they just hang on to Jesus. And that's a, it's a good thing. Anawim actually can mean a good thing now. But back when Jesus showed up on the scene, it did not mean a good thing. Anawim meant the throwaway people. God has no use for you. Society doesn't know what to do with you. And your family doesn't want you anymore. You're Anawim. Now, time out. Um, you ever felt like that? How, how many times have, have you, or you know somebody that's going through this right now, how many times have they looked into the mirror, and this is what they say to the person looking back at them, you're just a piece of, you piece of Anawim, right? And we've all had that moment. Some of us are sitting in that moment, like, like right now, let's go back, remember grade school? Ah, oh, all right, it's like, remember, remember when they, they did, they lined everybody up at recess, and they go, I want you on my team, I want you on my team, and then you didn't get picked. And you go, oh, they're kids. They'll get over it. Shut up. Listen, when you're 10 years old, you walk home from school going, what's wrong with me? Remember? Let me tell you what's wrong with you. You're an Anawim. Nobody wants you. We'd rather have not enough people on our team than have you. That hurts. Or how about a little later, you know, you get in middle school and high school, the worst years of your life. Kids, it gets better. 
gets better. I know. He's like, it's my junior year. Yeah, you're going to be all right. Oh, listen, remember those moments, those humiliating moments in the hallway, in gym class, in the locker room? How about this? It's it's that message. It's that definition that, that you've actually started believing about yourself. This is, must be what I'm worth because I got hurt, I got abandoned, I got, I got molested, I got abused, I got raped, I got betrayed, I got forgotten. I, I was always compared to her. Why can't you be like her? Because I'm on a whim. I'm a throwaway person. It's a, it's a moment. Here's where some of us are. It's a moment that you realize everybody has somebody to love except me, right? On a whim. You know what I'm talking about. It's that moment. Um, when, remember this? When you looked at your parents and, and they, they, they couldn't get it off their face fast enough and you looked in their eyes and you knew, I'm really sad you're my kid. I don't mean, where do you belong? It's that moment, parents, when your kid looked at you and said, I hate you, and they meant it. And you the, felt like the worst mom and dad ever. Here's, here's where some of us are. Um, it's that moment that you're, Husband or wife, now your ex-husband or ex-wife, sat you down and said, listen, I know I promised I would do this. And I got rings and all that kind of stuff, and I promised blah, blah, blah. I don't love you anymore. I haven't loved you for a long time. I've actually met somebody else, and I've been with them behind your back for a long time. How do you feel now? Anawim? Am I, am I getting close? Is that moment you get downsized? fired, whatever, because you're old or you're obsolete or you're irrelevant? We just don't want you anymore? Politics, and we're going to throw you away. Anawim, it's... You got a friend facing this right now. It's that first night you slept in your bed by yourself after the funeral. Remember? Anawim. It's that uh, burning feeling in your face and that nauseous feeling in your stomach the first time you smacked your girlfriend or hurt your kids. It's that confusion about your sexuality inside you can't tell anybody about it because they would just they, their hearts would be broken and you're just not going to do that to them so you stuff it all the way down down inside and you know what you're the loneliest person in the world because you can't tell anybody on a way it's that secret that you say I'm, I, no one will know about this no i won't tell any i will go to the grave with this and then it got found out it's that tsunami of shame that came over you on a way it's, it's what you've settled on as, that's my life. When all you, all you see when you look in the mirror is scars and bruises and guilt and shame and failure, failure and fear and insecurity. I'm just, a, I'm just honoring him. See, the world hasn't changed. It's the same world. It's the same world that Jesus showed up. But the day that Jesus shows up, it changes everything. He stands up on a hill and he pulls a pin on the grenade and throws it out and goes, could I have your attention? Times, they are changing. From now on, everything is going to be different because I got some good news. It's amazing news. And with the very first words that come out of his mouth on that Sermon on the Mount, they go like this. Blessed are the Anawim. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is now available to you. What he's saying is new things are possible for all of you. I've made new things possible. He's saying you might want to rethink how you think about everything because, ready for this? There are no throwaway people in the kingdom of God. None. None. He says, and I have come to make it available to anybody who wants. Just stumble right in. Just come a- a- as you are, in- including, how about this, especially the honoring. It doesn't matter how rejected you are, what people have done to you, what people have said to you, what you've done to other people, what you've done to yourself. It doesn't matter how you feel right now. 
It doesn't matter what you think you have to offer. It doesn't matter what you have lost or what has been taken from you along the way. I have an announcement. God does not hate you. He loves you and he wants you back. He wants you back in his life. He has a place for you in the kingdom of God. Here, here's the message. Jesus says this, look out, because here I come. Come follow me. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples, they came to him, and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the unawaiting. Yep. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn in the kingdom, you'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, you'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I just want it to be right. Because in the kingdom, you'll be satisfied. <clears throat> Blessed are like, the merciful. You'll receive mercy. Blessed are the, the, the pure in heart. You'll see God. Blessed are the the peacemakers, they'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those who you're persecuted for doing the right thing. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and just say the worst things about you on account of me. Re rejoice. <laughs> And be glad, for, for great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. You're, you're the salt of the earth. But, you know, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can you, how can you make it salty again? It's, it's no longer useful for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by, by men. You are the light of the world. You are. A city on a hill, you can't hide, right? Neither do people light a candle and put it under a bowl. That would be dumb. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people. And they'll see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. They will. So um, don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I haven't. I've come to fulfill them. I'll tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything's accomplished. Anyone who, who breaks just the least of these commandments and then teaches other people to do the same, you're the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever just practices and teaches these commands, you'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I, I tell you that. Unless you're righteousness, your personal goodness, unless that exceeds the most religious Pharisees and teachers of the law, you won't be in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, okay, so you have heard it said, thou shalt not murder, and anyone who murders is subject to judgment. Uh, I tell you that 
Anyone who's angry with his brother, you're subject to the same judgment. Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, you have to go to the religious court and the Sanhedrin. But I'm telling you this. Anybody who says, you fool, Anawim, you're in danger of the fire of hell. So, um, like, if you're, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then, come and offer your gift. And, and settle matters quickly with one another. Your adversary, he's like hauling you off to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way. Otherwise, he's going to turn you over to the judge. The judge is going to turn you over to the officer. You're going to get thrown into jail, and you won't get out until you've repaid the last penny. How about this? You, you, we've all heard this said, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Listen, I, I tell you that anyone who, who just looks at a woman with the purpose of devouring her with his eyes, you, you've already committed adultery in your heart. How about this? If your right eye is what's causing you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It'd be better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go to hell. If that would fix your problem, by all means do it. It gets worse. If, if your right hand causes you to sin, fellas, that's exactly how it translates. Well, but, but, but this would fix it. I'll just cut it off, and, and then uh, I won't sin anymore. Listen, by all means, it, it'd be better for you to lose one body part than your whole body go to hell. If that would work, go for it. You've heard it said um, that anyone who wants to divorce his wife, all you have to do is give her a certificate of divorce and send her away. I'm telling you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, you actually cause her to become an adulteress? And then anyone who marries that woman, just because you have some piece of paper, you're still committing adultery. We'll talk more about that. You've heard it said to the people long ago, um, do not break your oaths, but keep the oaths that you have made to the Lord. I'm telling you, don't swear at all. Either by heaven, it's God's throne. By the earth, it's his footstool. By Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. Don't even swear by your own head. You can't make one hair black or white. Go with it. Uh, you've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, right? So I tell you, what if we're this kind of people? Don't resist an evil person if... If they were to slap you on the right cheek, you're the kind of person that says, I'll turn the other one. If someone sues you and tries to take your shirt, give him your coat. If someone forces you to go one mile, be that person that goes, I'll go another one. Give to the one who asks, and, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. you we've all heard this, um, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And I tell you, love your enemy. And pray for those that are persecuting you so that you may be called sons of your Father in heaven. Peacemakers. He makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If, if you love only those who love you, where's your reward in that? Do not even tax collectors like, like terrorists. They, they do that. And if you greet only your brothers, how's that any different than others? Even pagans, people who don't even believe in God, they, they do that. How? Let's be perfect, whole, complete, as our Father in heaven is perfect. And, and, and be careful not to do your, your, your acts of righteousness 
before people in order to be seen by them? If you do, you'll get no reward from your Father in heaven. Like, for example, um, like, like when, you're, when you give to the needy, don't... Don't announce it with trumpets like the, the hypocrites do, standing like on, uh, in the front of the synagogue or on street corners to be seen by men. Look how much I gave. I tell you, they've received, that's it. That's the reward in full. When you give, don't let your, your left hand know what your right hand's doing. So your giving might be done in secret, and then your father who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. Prayer. When you pray, Again, do not be like those religious hypocrites who, who, again, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen by men. Look how spiritual I am. Listen, they, that's it. That's the reward. But, but when, when you pray, when we pray, um, just go in your room and close the door and then pray to your father who's unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. <laughs> and, and when you pray, please stop babbling like pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many, 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 on and on and on. Stop. Your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how how we can pray, right? Say this with me. My father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And earth as it is in the heavens. And just give us this day, just, just our daily bread, and then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. See, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Father will forgive you. But if you won't forgive people their sins, why do we have this expectation that God ought to forgive ours? When you fast... Uh, don't, don't look all somber like the hypocrites. They just figure their fa- faces. I'm fasting. I'm spiritual. <laughs> That's it. That's the reward right there. When you fast, um, just put, put some water. Just wash your face. So it won't be obvious to people you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. And your father sees what you're doing in secret, and he'll reward you. And um, don't, don't store for yourself treasures just on earth where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. Store for yourself treasures in like the heavens where, where moth and rust, they don't destroy that and thieves cannot steal that. For where your treasure is, there your heart. It's always in the same place. Follow this. See, your eye is like, um, it's like the lamp of the body. Remember? And if your eye is good, like if your eye is generous, if, your eye, if you see things the right way, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are bad, then your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light within you is actually darkness, how, how great is that darkness? See, no one can serve two masters. We've tried. You'll either you'll love the one and hate the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other, but you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, don't. Worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is life not more important than food? And your body more important than what you wear? I mean, look at the birds. They don't, they don't sow or reap or store up in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than birds? You are. Yes, you are. <laughs> and um, which of you, by worrying, 
You can just add one hour to your life. So we spend so many hours worrying about what we're going to wear. So like flowers. Look at the flowers on your way home today. Look at the flowers. They don't, they don't toil or spin, yet not even the greatest king ever, Solomon, was clothed like one of those. Now, if this is how your heavenly father clothes flowers, the grass of the field that's here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will, will he not much more clothe you? Ah, you have a little faith. So don't worry. Saying, what shall we do? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans and non-believers, they run after these things. And your heavenly father, he knows that you need them. How about this? Just seek first his kingdom and his goodness, his righteousness, and all those other things will be taken care of and added to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? That is true. Now, Stop judging. Don't judge, or, or you'll be judged. And, and the way you judge others, that's how God's going to judge you. And the measure you use on others, that's the measure God will use on, on you. Why, why, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How, how, how do you say, let me take that speck out of your eye? And the whole time, there's a board in your face. Ah, oh, you're hypocrite. How about this? Why don't you work on that? First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then maybe you'll see clearly to help somebody with the speck in their eye. Right? And this is confusing. I'll talk about it later. But listen, don't, don't give sacred things to dogs and throw pearls at pigs. Because if you do, it's not helpful. And they're just going to trample them under their feet, and then they're going to get mad at you and tear you to pieces, and I don't blame them. How about this? Ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and maybe the door will open, because whoever asks receives, whoever seeks finds, and the only way doors get open is if you knock. Let me talk to parents. Which of you, all right, if, you, uh, if your son or daughter were hungry, and they say, Mom, Dad, can I have some bread? Which of you would hand them a rock? Or if they say, I could have some fish? You say, well, here's a snake. Which of you would do that? Now, listen, if... Some of you. Uh, <laughs> if you then, get this word right, at least compared to God, are imperfect, evil is the word, right? Compared to God, and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to you when you ask him? How about this? Just do to others as you would have them do to you. This sums up, write this down, the Bible, the law and the prophets, right there. So, enter through this narrow gate. Talk about a narrow gate. You know, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to death. And a lot of people go down that road. Um, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And very few find it. And, and as you go, watch out for false prophets, false teachers. See, they'll come to you like in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Um, do, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Or figs from thistles? In the same way, follow this, right? A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A bad tree does not bear good fruit. And a good tree does not bear bad fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, 
By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Here's the thing. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is actually part of the kingdom of heaven. See, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and perform crazy miracles? And I will look at them and I'll go, I don't know who you are. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Let me land this. So everyone who hears these words of mine and, and puts them into practice. So you're like that wise man, that wise person who, who's like, they built their house on a rock and the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it didn't fall because it had its foundation on a, a rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and just doesn't do anything with them, you're like, and we all know this person, a foolish person who built their house on the sand. And it worked for a while. But then the rains came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it, it fell with a great crash. Now, when Jesus finished saying these things, the people were amazed. Because he taught as one who had authority, like, you know what you're talking about. And not like they're teachers of rules and more rules and, and, and laws. So Flatirons, um, we're about to go on a journey. And I'm just going to tell you, it will change us. This Sermon on the Mount stuff, it's, it works. And there's parts in it that's going to be confusing, and you're going to go, wait, are you saying, just take a breath, we'll get to it. But let me just tell you what the goal for this journey is not. It's not, can we just try to act better? That doesn't work. Can we try to be nicer to one another and try to act different? See, the goal of this whole journey is this. There's this invitation from Jesus who says, I have opened the door, and I just want you to come and, and follow me. Where, where do you want, where do you want us to go? Just bring your life into my kingdom. Well, don't I need to? No, you don't have to do anything. Just come into my kingdom. But what about that? What? Don't stop. Bring it. But I have this broken marriage. I know. In the kingdom, it has hope. Well, I'm addicted. I know. Bring it. But don't I need to change? No. But what about stop? Stop. Just come and just hang out with me. It's going to take a while. Growth takes time. Just come take out. And here's what Jesus is saying. Just hang out with me and kind of watch me and then see how I think and then see how I see things. And here's the goal is eventually you'll start thinking like me and then you'll see the most important parts like I see. Like there's a chance that you'll actually see God the way Jesus sees God instead of what you currently see. It's scary. And then you'll look in the mirror and you'll see what Jesus sees. And you haven't seen her forever. And then you'll look around and you'll see people in the world and you go, I see them. And here's, here's the thing. And, and I'd say most people listening to my voice right now say, that's impossible. I put a white flag up on this a long time ago. It is very possible that one day you're going to wake up one morning and your first thought is this. I'm a good person. And it's been a long time since I ever thought that. I'm a good person and I have a, I have a really good life. I, I don't have an easy life. The circumstances of my life suck. 
I'm good. My marriage fell apart. My finances fell apart. I've got cancer. I don't know where my kid is right now. I don't know where my dad is right now. But you know what? I'm, I'm good. What do you mean you're good? I don't have a storm-free life. I have a storm-proof life. So world, bring it on because I'm not alone anymore. Why? Because times are changing and I am now in the kingdom of heaven. So flattering. Let's go on a journey. And let's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a deep breath right now and mark this moment. Because for some of us, this Labor Day weekend is the day I took a step out of something, a mess, and I put my mess in the kingdom of heaven. And this is where things started to change. And that day, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good day. Does anybody want to go on a journey with me? Anybody? Let's stand up. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say this is good news. I, I wouldn't even just say this is a good day. <laughs> I say it's, it's a glorious day. Let's sing it. All right. Boom.